Hey up everyone, once again this is the third chat of today, this is Loose Lips, feature free and we've had two amazing guests on so far, first was Chris Fountain who's uh, actually trapped out in Bali uh, at the minute which is uh, pretty mental but it was good to hear from him, real good insight and uh, yeah just uh, blessed to be able to uh, have an hour with him and then after that we uh, had Tristan de Kuna who is a DJ producer, obviously people who know him will know that he's a popular resident at uh, Back to Basics, the longest running club night in Leeds. Well, not just in Leeds, in the world, but Leeds is the world, so technically that is correct. Uh, And now we are uh, waiting for Harry George Johns, uh, my boy, who amongst many things is a talented musician, it's all around good soul, but uh, many people may know him now for his latest venture, which is, have I even added the right one? Have he, he needs to come to me. Uh, yeah, so he's, <laughs> you know when you have a little mini panic and it actually gets recorded live to the world. Yeah, that was me just then. Um, but yeah, Harry uh, now is most popular in um, the cuisine world for his street food projects. Holy Mountain Kitchen and Holy Ramen. Uh, shout out Beth for joining in. Shout out Liam for joining in. I see you rock roll. Uh, Holy Mountain is sending an uh, invite, which means I believe, I believe, I believe we're about to connect. Technology. Connecting. Hey, yes, G. What you say you? Yeah, this is good. Okay, just, okay. so look, um, let me just work this out. Are you going that way? I don't mind going that way. Does that look, is it, is it, is it, does it not look good? No, I, what I tend to do for my side is I try to look at you, I thought you were going to be all like porn laying down then. What I try to do for my side is I try to match the, uh, the guest, how they have their camera, so everyone's done it the other way, but of course you're going to mix it up. So then Sorry, I'll, well, I'll... I, I don't really mind. The thing is with me, the thing is with me is that I'm uh, essentially middle-aged, <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> so I don't know how to use technology. Don't, um, be, don't be landing that. Like I'm older than you. I don't feel middle-aged. Well, you're a, yeah, me, but I'm you're a lot, you're a lot trendier than me. What? Degeneration X T-shirt. That's um, how yeah. young I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm still listening to the same music I did when I was 15. Yeah, now, music's Jane, not got so I can match you on that one. It's not got better. No, you're right. <laughs> so if so, forgive me, but if this if this sideways view is all right for for you, then it's, it's oh mate, it's sexual. You've got a little lean going on. I'm I'm guessing you've got a glass of wine somewhere. I'm surprised. Look at how have you been, brother? How have you been? Oh, you know what? I've got to do that thing. He said I've got to do the thing. What? Put it on a uh, airplane mode. So what he has to do uh, is put your phone in airplane mode so the Wi-Fi is still connected, but so people can't like be texting you out. Uh, all good, Beth, respect. So have you put it on airplane mode now? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've done it. You good? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah guy, I'm really, so... I'm actually re- you know what, I'm actually really good. And I think that um, I've, seen, I've, seen a lot of, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people online um, essentially lose their minds slowly because of quarantine. And and I, I understand it, I do. And I feel like when I want to be, I'm I'm quite a social person. Having said that, 
I'm that so happy. Really, I knew there was a but. I knew there was a but. You've styled that. <laughs> Having said that, it's just basically but. <laughs> I mean, there could be worse. There could be worse situations. Like the internet exists, mm-hmm. and like I've got a pretty good book collection. I'm all right. I know what you're saying, man. I, do you know what I think the crazy thing is? Is that um, I get it. I fully get it. And for me, I'm of the make and mold of like, okay, how do I adapt? How do I sort of get to it? But I understand that for a lot of people, it might not be like that. And that's why I'm sort of doing AK stuff like this to try let people just escape it, man. Do you know what I mean? I think you, you, you must get it, those moments where you're almost like, oh, right, no, it is actually summer. Do you know what I mean? And then you got to, so there's things that trigger it every now and again, but yeah, what I'm looking to do is just help people escape and then fingers crossed this is over uh, sooner, sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, dude, I, I, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's um, everything you just said, I agree with. And also something that, so I've started to do these, I've started to do these like home cooking videos. Yeah, and you've been talking about this for a while. Well, th- th- this was the point I was going to make. You and I have spoken about this for a long time. And I think this is going to sound real cheesy, but like only until I saw people who I care about, like seemingly miss human interaction, did it make me think, well, if I can just train, excuse me, if I can just train myself to talk to a camera, like I'm just talking to you who like I've known for a long time or like, you know, one of my mates, if I can train myself to do that, which was definitely hard for a long time. And there are like a million videos on my phone that I don't want anyone to see where I'm just like stumbling my way around it. But my point is it, it's taken this and it's, it's taken quarantine and it's taken lockdown. It's taken me see people really like strive for human interaction for me to like in no way, shape or form think I'm like the answer, but like play part. It's, people seem to like it. Yeah. And, and I mean, I was playing your quiz the other day in bed. Like, it goes both ways. Like, I like having a connection with people. We are humans. And we, whether we want to admit it, crave interaction of some kind. Like, it's all well and good me saying I'm just going to watch DVDs and watch books and read books for the next three months. But, like, I'm already craving the pub. I'm craving, <laughs> you know, the sesh. <laughs> <laughs> the sesh, mate. The sesh is going to be off the charts, man. I think people should be real about it. Let's not play it down. I'm missing... There's something about letting one's obviously metaphorical hair down, <laughs> in my case. There's something to be said. Like, I can go drink 15 bottles of wine at two in the afternoon in my house, and that's great. But there's something to be said for just letting your hair down with your mates in a pub, in a bar, in a club, in a restaurant, and just fucking taking the piss out of each other and just having a... And I didn't realise how much I maybe took it for granted until recently. So this is the thing. This is, I think, that the fallout of this, and Sophia just, uh, shout out Sophia, uh, she just put, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention, which is true. And yeah, Liam saying, bring on the Sessinos, mate. Taming pile the next gig, we're going, you know that, my brother. But um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think the same, bro. I think, like, when we're out of this, you know, we've always heard the hedonistic tales or read or seen documentary of the Summer of Love. And I think that's what's going to roll out here, like the Summer of Bliss. That's what I'm sort of looking forward to. I'd love I it. I really think that we, we're going to take the connectivity, the, the, the sort of uh, the alienation of what we've all overcome 
to unite us together. We can look everybody in the eye and say, we, we've come through it. There's, you know, it's no different or worse or like we've all come through the same thing. And I think that's what it'll bring is that collective sense of unity and acknowledgement. You know, what's interesting is I, you've just made a really good point in my opinion, which I hadn't thought about until you said it, which is that like, when everyone's in lockdown, the fact that someone's got a tenner and someone's got a hundred quid doesn't fucking matter anymore Not at sense. all. So it's like, let's just fucking get it. And like, dude, I was talking to my friend Jim about this last night. You know, he's a, a really good friend of mine who lives outside of Leeds. And I don't know how many people, I don't know how many people agree, with, agree or disagree on this one, but he's a really good mate of mine. He lives outside of Leeds. I don't drive. It's a mission to see him. It's a train journey. Maybe it's a 15 pound train journey. Maybe it's a 30 pound train journey. But like the amount of times that we both were like, oh, I can't really be asked. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like let's just do it next week and you never fucking do. Um, I think all of that's going to go to the wayside. Like fucking put me on a train now. Mm. Like I want to see my fucking mates. What I, I want a connection. Create. I want to, all those times I've been a lazy piece of shit. And we're all guilty of it. Yeah, 100%. I don't even think it's down to being lazy. I think it's down to convenience. I think it's, you know, it's, it, it, I, don't, I don't think it's done out of disrespect. I definitely think it's convenience. But I, what I also would like to see instilled is the fallout of this, of um, that being maintained, not just been like three months in and then it gets back to, oh, well, you know, let's style it again. You know, I think that this, this this is something that will be spoke about and looked about in research research books and in museums and this is a proper like monumental time in history and I really think that if we if we appreciate the the sort of extent of it then the aftermath of it will be even more great reward because we'll all understand that we've all as a collective as a society as a nation of just you know, overcome something. And I, I really think that there's, there's strength in that. I think there's strength in the human endeavour and spirit of just showing how resilient we are. I think there's a collective, as you say, doesn't matter what you've got in your, in your bank, in your wallet, we've all come through the same. And I really think usually the conversation you get speaking to with strangers is like, oh, what football team do you support? Or how's the weather? Like, this is, this is it. This is the conversation. Like, how did you, and you know, but it, it's real. It's a visceral, like, how did you find it? How were you through it? And, everybody's got their own story. And I think I really do. I, I pray, you know, I'm an optimistic brother from another mother, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I really like to think that it really puts us all as a as society, as a, as a level up. I really think that that's what I'd like to see come out of this. Yeah, plus I'm going to do loads of drugs. <laughs> I mean, let's call a spade a spade on this one. Well, the, the, the I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not, not going to say that you're not, not, and I'm not going to say that I'm not, not, but before I we get stuck into that side of it, there's some shout, oh, oh shit, <laughs> that's me, that's me <laughs> off it already. <laughs> right. What, have you got lurking behind there, lad? Ah, uh, <laughs> no, few bits. Right. We've got Danny Jackson saying, going to Bury tomorrow, gigs would be a bloody luxury now, my dude, bless him, we've got Andy Oh Green yeah, Danny, saying, love that guy. It better go to the wayside. Uh, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got James who's just checked him. Uh, Duke Studios, shout out to my brother. Barney's just giggling at that. But you are right, I think. But 
Are you all right, man? I think like uh, what I'm looking forward to is the sesh. I'm looking for. Dude, you know what? I, I was. I am. I'm not gonna lie. I had I had a few things lined up, which uh, obviously due to situation in happening. So uh, I think I think what you know, leaning on this, I think a lot more people will stay UK based as opposed to maybe going on holidays. I think flights will be cheap and people will go abroad. But I That's really think it might be a summer where everyone's around. I'd love that. Up. Yeah, dude. I think that it, I think if 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 we're all making mental or physical um, lists of the people that we feel like we missed more than we thought we would, or people that we would like to spend time with, then, dude, as soon as this clears up, which I hope is soon, but who fucking knows? You know, the moment this clears up, regardless of the weather and regardless of the time of year, I think we'll all just be like, fucking, let's get it. Let's go. You know, you can have a better time seeing three mates in fucking Southampton. You know, with that, like, buzz about it, more than, like, just going to fucking, on some holiday that's going to cost loads of, you know what I mean? Like, if yeah, anything, yeah. it's making me think, like, what's more important? Like, it, it, what, what's that old, like, the oldest thing in the book is, like, it's not where you go in, it's who, you, who you're with. Like, mate, like, if there's ever been a time that encapsulates that, it's, the next thing after this. It doesn't matter where you're going, man. Like, it's who you're with. Go fucking get your boys. It'll be ace. Yeah, but something I was it. also thinking about, something I thought was interesting as well is like, it's all well and good you staying in and doing quizzes and me staying in and making fucking stupid cooking videos. What's like Bon Iver doing now? What's Kevin, your man from Tame Impala, like... You know these like really creative, amazing, beautiful minds who have to stay in with their guitar in their studio. Like I think, because obviously it takes so much time for a record to like get sorted out after you make it. I think as soon as this lockdown's over, six months month from then, we're gonna fucking hear some amazing music. Rather than the baby boom, it's like the creative boom. Dude, actually, honestly, I absolutely that. I think that we all of a sudden these fucking singer songwriters and these amazing like people who have been ticking away anyway, you know, making good records. All of a sudden, they've got to stay in. They've got to like face themselves and their own music and like. Sure, own, I can only good things are going to come out of this. And Neef Freeman agrees with you. Uh, well written stuff rather than rushed out. Says think of the new music for next year. Have you seen that Kevin Parker's doing a project with Mike Skinner? No. Bro, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, brother. Like, Mike Skinner posted up, like, me and me doing a new music for a... Me new, he says, me doing new music with Tame Impala, and I thought he'd just sampled Tame and were just, like, you know, putting his own lyrics about it. And you know, like, how quirky he is on Instagram with, like, the videos, I don't know if you follow him, but he does really really aesthetically pleasing like short clips of like a banner and then someone walking past the really arty, really like movie almost there uh, vibe and anyway he's doing that and he stood up window and he's like got Tame Impala like synthy beats but it's Mike Skinner like chilled vocals then Kevin Parker stood in the window looking out waiting on an old school like 80, 88 10 or whatever 82 10 waiting for Mike Skinner to text I see I swear to you, bro. Shout well, out Dom in the room. I mean, me and you both know that, like, we, me and you, I think, are both of the mindset that, like, Mike Skinner is uh, not only important 
and not not only good, like he makes good shit. Right. I mean, he, not only does he make good tunes, but I think like in fifty years he'll be one of those where people go, there was more, there was more going on with that guy than we realised. Yeah, man. He's an and heirloom. You are. He's an heirloom. Mate, hundred percent. I mean, I, you know me, man. Like I don't listen to a lot of. That kind of music. I don't listen to a lot of garage. I don't listen to a lot of whatever you would call that genre. But like, he is bigger than all of that. And like, you know, I listen to those tunes that in my thirties now, and I'm like, I can go back to those house parties. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know exactly what you where saying. that stuff was playing. And um, and I, I, there's a friend of mine, a really good mate of mine, who is from the same place that um, Kevin Parker's from in Australia. This oh, is like yeah. West West Australia, right? Fremantle Earth. or whatever. Yeah, just outside Perth, Fremantle. And um, apparently he, like, yeah, now that he's a bit bigger, this might have changed, but apparently he's just some guy who loves going to the pub. Yeah, and if yeah. anything, Mike Skinner is just some guy who likes going to the pub. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so like yeah. these, I can, I can imagine those guys getting on by the sounds of it. Yeah, you could see, you, yeah, and not only that, but the respect of the way that they make the music, you know, like, it's a, it, they've got a lot of similarities thinking about it, like, the Streets is basically Mike Skinner, Taming Parlour's basically Kevin Parker. So they all make the music, but then get a band around them. Uh, I think that they make timeless music. I, I, it's one of those collabs that I could have only have ever dreamed of. And then when I saw it, let's just say I needed to change some pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to look that up later, big time. That sounds Yes, yeah, you know, honestly, I think that's coming out over the next few months, so that's sick, man. But let's switch it to you then, brother, because we... Properly met, I'd say, when uh, I started DJing when you were managing a bar in Leeds. Yeah. Milo, shout out Milo. Um, and you were, you were a lot more music-oriented, thin. I'd say, then. <laughs> you were what, sir? A lot more thin. <laughs> <laughs> you were a lot more music-oriented, I'd say. And, yeah, um, yeah, 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 I think so. I was thinking about it today. I've actually started to put in a project together today. A music project, but... Uh, there's not really enough to say about that, but yeah, no, it definitely was more was way more music. That was my life for you know yeah, all well, all the way it. through my twenties, you know. So th this is it. This is what I sort of wanted to lean onto is that I find that a lot of people who are on with their paths uh, at the moment, they tended to discover what they perceive as their calling or what they're rolling through with now, maybe in their later twenties. So how did you find making a shift? Because I think that you were rather synonymous with that, that lifestyle. So to almost hang that up is almost hanging up what people would view you as. So how was that making a transition into not just a new career, but a new lifestyle? That's a really good question. Um, but I can answer it without waffling on, I think, which is this. I, through, since I was 21, I was in a band full-time, full like, whether it was trying to do uni, I didn't go to my, I didn't pick up my uni degree because I was on tour in like fucking Belgium with some punk band or whatever, you know? Like all the way through my 20s to varying degrees of success, I was doing bands. But the kind of music that I was always drawn to, not to listen to, but to perform personally was high intensity rock music with like exciting live shows or whatever, you know, like, a visceral, the visceral side of rock and roll music. And the thing is, man, like, you get to fucking 30 and it's just harder. And, like, I've got less to 
moan about. I've got less to be angsty about, you know, and I'm like, well, I've given it a good crack. Like I've been signed to labels of major labels and indie labels and it's not worked out. I love music. I'm never going to stop playing it. But like as a, as a professional vocation, like you just sort of, you just start going, well, it, it's, it, it can't be a part-time thing, music. So I knew that I wanted to cook and I knew that I wanted to make a living out of cooking and I knew that I could. And I don't, and I didn't want to do cooking half-assed and I would never want to do music half-assed. So it was one or the other, really, crossroads. So it, in terms of trying to make a, make a living, so like I've always played, since, since becoming a chef, I've still played music, but it's been, very much been in the background, just like when I was in a band, cooking was in the background. I was still doing it. But I was just doing it on my own time and not to really make any money or to make a name of myself. So it is worth mentioning, though, the kind of chef that I'm trying to be is very much in the same theme as being in a band, like doing pop-ups, traveling around, meeting people through cooking instead of meeting people through music. Do you feel, sorry to cut you, do you feel- No, 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 that's the, pretty much it. Do you feel the explosion of um, street food helped in your decision, maybe, because you do have that luxury of going around- I missed and it. Almost living that lifestyle. I missed it. I mean, that street food thing happened, that street food, the street food boom happened before I was a chef. And my, and, and, and I moved to Liverpool to, to work, to work in a two rosette French Mediterranean restaurant for six months. No one, no one really heard from me. I still had an Instagram, but like I didn't, I just moved to Liverpool. Um, so my vocation is like in not street food. It's very much in like, kind of fancy restaurant world um and so street food now is is like it's weird isn't it because it's definitely fashionable but it's it's come off the streets how how did how did did, um when you went there did you was that the sort of food that you felt you wanted to make or was it more the the tutorage that you were getting that was like priceless to be had and you didn't really know what you were going for at that time Second one, definitely. Um, I was working at a restaurant with a really good reputation under really good chefs. I knew I was going to learn a lot of the basics. Like anyone can be the amount of, okay. So the amount of street food people I meet that aren't chefs or chef trained, I think that you end up being the master of your little world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's never been my interest. Like I can, I can, I, I make a living at the moment doing holy ramen, doing, pan-Asian dishes. At the same time, if I ever got myself into a position where I needed to make beef bourguignon or like some tacos or whatever, like I can. And I think that's just, it's all about having strings to your bow. Um, Although, you know, I meet a lot of street food people who are like, I just really like burgers. So burgers is my one thing that I'm really good at. And for me personally, no disrespect to them, that's restrictive. I hear that, I hear that. Uh, before we sort of uh, fully jump into the food side, uh, one of the things you said when you were on about your music was that you've been signed to majors, you've been signed to independents. What's that like in a sense of is the pressure when it doesn't work, the sort of aftermath? Like what sort of curtails and stifles it from the jump if you've got that, you know, that support? 
Is it is um, it is it the life that's sort of painted? You know, you get a, the, the the sort of premises. You get a you get a major deal, and it's here we go. But you've obviously seen the other side of that. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think I, I was in a band that got signed to a major record label it, towards the end of that even being a thing. So that just isn't a thing now. I, I think it's fair to you say. You mean the Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess major label signings. Oh, what am I saying? You, major... Sorry, do you mean the band was uh, becoming to an end of a thing, or the fact that you get signed to a major label was coming? Yeah, to sorry, that second one. Right. So, so we got signed to a label, a big label, with money, and we didn't have a, a and we were new. So that doesn't really happen anymore. But new bands, new. Um, who don't have records out on indie labels before moving to a major label. It doesn't seem to happen so much anymore. I'm sure it does, but it's not so much of a thing. And also there was this thing, there was this sort of really lame, like New Yorkshire was a thing, you know? And that's what the, that's what the like NME, when people bought it, were saying things like, you know, this New Yorkshire scene. Talking about bands like the Cribs and the Kaiser Chiefs, who you forget were hard at work, for years before anyone heard of them, you know, which is the, which is how it has to work now. But essentially, it just meant that there was money in place for you to just concentrate on touring, of which there was a lot of touring. Again, there were like a lot of fucking venues, which isn't a thing anymore. Like, mm. obviously, we're so lucky to have places like Brudenell for those mid-level, mid-sized bands. But like, a lot of those places have gone now. Mm. So I can't even understand if if I was to get signed again tomorrow i don't know what that would mean because i don't, wouldn't know what to do with that freedom but to answer your question um i was never in a band so big that it was like i was you know we were in a particularly luxurious position but it but it did mean when we were doing stuff with emi it, it did mean that we could take band practicing seriously and do it three times a week tour not have to pay for it out of our own pockets get on flights and do radio station stuff in europe or whatever and it not be a financial personal burden and i, I mean i do definitely miss it but i just don't think it's there anymore i don't think it exists anymore so you think you were at the tail end of that and maybe that might have impacted where that went on or do you feel as well it as you were saying it might have maybe ran its theme and you felt like you wanted to focus more on the, on the food side. Um, I think, I just, I just think, I just think what I'm sort of gauging it at is like, if you're not that close, but if you're almost like there and you've took the opportunity, but also risk to switch it and it has been successful, but like there must be a proper burning desire why you've gone from one, which is almost there to a different tangent altogether and almost start again. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. I think I would just say that it never felt like we were on the precipice of greatness. It felt like we could have spent another 10 years playing to 250 people a night and probably not, it probably not getting much bigger than that. You know, sometimes you feel like you hit your stride earlier than you perhaps want to. But that's still your stride, and you're not in control of your stride. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, right, cool. I've spent 10 years on the road. I've fucking done some amazing stuff. Like, 
I'm really very lucky to have the, the dinner table stories that I do. But honestly, hand on heart, cooking gives me that same buzz. So talk to me after Liverpool and you decide to set up your first venture. After the food that you were sort of under the tutelage of being made, how did you sort of come up with the concept? Go into the name as well. I know you really buzzed off the name and you were a bit gutted when I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, really, really easy to answer that one. So um, my, I, the restaurant I was at on the Wirral, which is where all the footballers are, um, Really fancy, blah blah blah, but it was very seasonal. So it did it did all its money in the in the summer because it was right on the River D. So as soon as the sun went down for the year, people were like looking at each other and like talking about you know maybe doing less hours and all this bullshit. And I was like, look, I'm done. I've, I've done six months hard fucking labour. I'm out. Um, so I was on a train to go back to Leeds just to visit some mates and, and just have some beers. And I got, I got a phone call from Cy Ord, who owns Sandinista Group. And he said he's opened this. Whilst I was away, he'd turned Sandinista into a, into a Mexican place and that it was good, but that he was having some trouble with the food and that would I go in and, um, and, and help him. And I said, yeah, but I don't want to... I've just done six months, like getting a wage and being told to turn up somewhere at eight and leave at 11. I was like, how come, why don't I just YouTube how to start your own business and I'll pay him a rent, fixed rent. And I'll just see if I can get the food going there. It was, what was it called? Cheetah, Cheetah Cantina. So I said, oh, yeah, I'll do it. But, I'll pay you instead of you paying me and don't tell me what, I mean, he was so fucking cool. Like I said, I don't want you to tell me what to cook, but I will promise you it'll be good and it'll be Mexican. Also taking into consideration that my best friend in the world is Mexican chef. He's moved back to Mexico now because of all this stuff. But, um, so like my, like, who I would consider such a close friend, he's like my brother or something. Um, uh, Luis Michel, the best fucking guy in my life. It, it, like he, so he's a Mexican guy. And he's an incredible chef. So, and he was working as a sous chef in the restaurant that I was working at in Liverpool. So it's just one of these fucking things coming together, you know? Universe. So I'm like, right, I can fucking make you an amazing steak tartare. But what I also have is this friend who I speak to every day, who is an incredible Mexican chef. And I've been to Mexico to do music and, 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 you know, really enjoyed the food there. I saw that there wasn't really much going on. This is when Neon Cactus wasn't really doing so much food as well. I mean, play, people like Harley have come in now and done an amazing job. Like, um, but this is before that Mexican thing kind of came and got popular, I think. So yeah, just fucking just did it. I, I mean, dude, I was like Googling, how do you start your own business? No, I, I mean, I have no idea. Must have been nerve wracking. I just didn't want to boss anymore, mate. You know, I don't, I don't, I just wanted to s just fucking live my own life. That sounds really cheesy when I've said it out loud. Nah, mate, I think you've obviously, through the conversation we've even just had now, like you've gone through various different positions of opportunity or creative outlets. And this has been the passion, the path that you've chose. 
chat Prince who's shouting out uh, Neon Cactus <laughs> all the way from Australia. You know that. No way. It's Prince he's in, in Australia. Australia. He's in Edinburgh. I caught him out the other day, mate. He's in Edinburgh. He's photoshopping his photos. He knows what that banter's about. <laughs> but um, no, and then obviously you've, you've come to an, you've been granted an opportunity and you've almost like flipped it back to an outcome that would benefit you. You could have easily just said, yeah, and you could have been grafting for somebody, but you've now turned it into your own, into your yeah. own world. So like that, that must, so it must've been nerve wracking because, you know, you, you, you're banking on, no disrespect, but like no experience oh, no. on a business or a cooking that style of food. So. Absolutely. I think. Um... it's well received, but how, how was the initial, uh, you know, the constructs of the concepts of the food and, you know, the talk us through before it actually opened, like, talk us through, like, if there were any panic stations or how you felt around. Oh, it. mate, we, live, we lived in panic stations. So, came back from Liverpool. It's worth saying really quickly as well that to do six months in a high-level restaurant, as I'm sure a few people will know, chef-chefs will know, is, like, another world of, of pain and, like, yes, sir, no, sir. And being called a fucking cunt 15 times a minute, you know, like, so it wasn't unsurprising to come out of that and not want to go back to saying yes, sir, no, sir, to anyone, you know. So that out of the way, um, I just was like, right, it, I love I love making Mexican food. I've got this Mexican friend. I'm being asked to take over a Mexican restaurant that exists. This makes sense. I mean, really, like my like death row food would be tacos. Like I do genuinely love them. You know what I mean? Like I'm listening. It's not just like a bullshit thing. Like I what love. Would your death row food be such a good question? I might mate, have that, mate. Yeah. In, I mean, infinite fish tacos for me. Um, well, so on kind of... the fish tacos, uh, Sophia's just said, "Holy Mountain, best fish tacos ever." <laughs> yeah, no, Sophia. Yeah, Sophia. Yeah, Portugal in the house. I mean, a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have a lot to thank her for, you know. Mm, 100%. A lot, a lot of people in the in the city of Leeds, me, me included, you know. Um, and and me. Yeah, she's a fucking legend. Um, so to answer your question, um, it seemed like Mexican food was the way to go, and it seemed like to me like I didn't want to have a boss anymore, and so I just thought, right, what's cool? I don't know. Well, it's something that's Mexican. And that I like, and that slips into like Western culture as well as traditional Mexican roots is a film, one of my favorite films, and, and also John Lennon's favorite film, which is called The Holy Mountain. You put John Lennon in there because when people don't get it, you're like, what's this film? And then you add John Lennon, and it's like, oh, maybe I should. Know. Yeah, dude, <laughs> what it means is it means that people can go, oh, right, yeah, okay, okay, I get it. And yeah, then yeah, exactly. Just like, uh, uh, <laughs> but. It, <laughs> But I mean, I'm just being a fucking hipster, you know, but um, uh, it's just a, a, a very strange early 70s Mexican drug sex film. But it's not exploitative. But anyway, so I just nicked the name of that. Holy Mountain sounds cool. And, and, and there was like a tattoo parlor in Doncaster called Holy Mountain. And that was it in England. Did you have to speak with them before? Yeah, of course. I messaged them. I mean, I just messaged them on Facebook and said, I want to do this. Is it okay? And I think I probably said something lame, like, I've got, I've got tattoos as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, just, you're just clutching at straws. <laughs> like, I don't know. 
I've got tattoos, so please. Anyway, they were really cool. They were really cool. And that, that was that. Yeah, just fucking. I'm, I, dude, I'm still working it out. Owning your own business is a fucking ball ache. And I still haven't been doing it long enough to really reap any serious rewards, apart from no one tells me to get to work on time. Um, but I, I do love it. It's just fucking hard. I mean, it's hard. I, I feel like you have to make a lot of mistakes before you find your stride. Well, what's interesting is, off the back of that, you then didn't just want to stick with the one style of food, which if you get into grasp with something, that might be the straightforward way, but you went left field, step two, Pan-Asian, the birth of Holy Ramen. So was it quite similar to uh, translate what you've learned from one to the other? Is it, you know, uh, a similar entity? Obviously, the different names, but under different umbrellas. Like, does one live, does one go on the shelf, or does one come back? Is it like one's your main piece, one's your side piece? Like, <laughs> what's, the, what's the crack, man? My side piece. Um, okay, I'll answer that. So basically, Holy Mountain Kitchen was um, me doing whatever I fucking wanted. That's what it turned into. So after I left the Mexican, after I left Sandinista, and I, and I, I, I set up at um, East Village, mm-hmm. you know, like, unbelievable, forever shouting out East Village. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 100%. Like, all of my best friends, the best times, you know, I, I still go there, I still love those guys. But what that really, that was when it kind of became less Mexican and more just like, I'm just going to do what I want. And, and, and that seemed to work. And then when I got an opportunity to go into Assembly Underground, I think a really long and boring story short, I had to think, right, what's going to make, what's essentially going to make a good living? Because instead of me just cooking in my mate's bar's basement, I'm like, in a legit place with bills and with like people and like a, a, a serious infrastructure. So I was like, I can do Mexican, I can do tacos and really push that. But, uh, or I could see if there was maybe a gap in the market. I hate that expression, but like, is there something well, that well, I, other than that, something that is on the cusp of being popular because I know that, um, a discussion that I had with a chef who's a friend of yours, Matt, Matty, shout out Matty every time. And he told me years ago that he felt that this style of food would be coming in. So, yeah, you saw, like, the head of the curve. That might be a better term for you. Well, I, I would absolutely not want to toot my own horn in that one. But basically, I went, I, I liked ramen. I worked with a guy who who wasn't Japanese or Chinese, but had a Japanese girlfriend who, and he would make ramen for the staff in Liverpool. Um, So it was on my radar. I knew I liked it, but then when I'd come back to Leeds from Liverpool, where they have loads of Pan-Asian food, there wasn't really much ramen going on, apart from like Wagamama's or something, whatever. Um, So I, yeah, I mean, I just was like, fuck it, no one's doing it. I'll just do that. Like, I, I like it. I, I think I don't mind being on record to say that, like, tacos are in my heart. But, like, <laughs> I don't mind making... A, I, I like Asian food. I like pan-Asian food. I think we do it a bit differently. Having said that, 
I went back to Liverpool. So I'm fucking all over the place. I'm like hopscotching between Liverpool and Leeds for this. So I went back to Liverpool where there is, it's closed now, but there was a ramen restaurant. And I just worked there for free for one day a week for eight weeks. When was that? What time scale was that? So that would have been just before I did, well, I would close on a Sunday and Monday at East Village. And on the Monday, I would go over to Liverpool, work so for you free. Were, you were already pre-prepping the transition. and Yeah, I mean, like, it was just, yeah, it was on the cards for a long time. And was that because you knew that uh, assembly was available, or was it just... Well, it had it, been open for six up? months. It, they just had this unit that they couldn't get rid of. So assembly underground had, had been open for six months, and I'd been in talks with them for a month whilst doing... East Village. And then I was like, I can make a bowl of ramen, but like, I need some legit credentials. Mm. Excuse me. So as I said, for one day a week, for six, six, eight weeks, I can't remember. Every Monday, I'd just get on a train back to Liverpool. I'd go and work for free at this restaurant. And then I'd go and stay at my grandma's house. And then I'd come back to Leeds on the Tuesday morning. That's, that's I just did that every week. Yeah, well, I mean, on the DL I'm, as well. Yeah, mega on the. I mean, it didn't feel like it was. It didn't feel cool at the time. It felt like hard. It felt like work, and it felt like a prolonged amount of time where I was worrying. Like I tried to do tacos, and I still think I don't want to make a controversial point, but I still think that Mexican food hasn't taken off in Leeds. I'm not saying that Neon Cactus isn't great because it is. And I'm not saying that Lupe's Cantina isn't great, because it is. Um, but it hasn't taken off in that, like, it hasn't gone to that next level, has it? Yeah, like when bur the burger boom came about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza now, like, there's, I yeah. mean, for my money, Pizza Loco is the best pizza in England, let alone... Shout out, Ollie. Oh, my God, 100% shout out, Ollie. Like, Pizza Loco is absolutely the best pizza in England. I've ever had, I think. Um, just, just sorry to cut you in, maybe no, just like switching conversation a bit. No, 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 do it, do it, do it. Is there a lot of camaraderie and respect? Like you say, you're shouting out Ollie Pizza Loco. <laughs> is there a bit of a, a hub, a community, a proper, like, you know, like a connection? Because essentially you, you're going into the unknown, especially for yourself. You've, you've learned how to build a business. You're learning the food because you feel like that's the angle you want to take it, for example. But it could be quite solo because it's just yourself doing that and then you're getting people on board. So is there like a support network between other um, street food vendors or other, other independents? Yeah, I think for the most part there is. I think that's... I mean, I'm a better chef than everyone, so it's difficult for me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I love if I weren't listening then and I just nodded just like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, No, I think, is, is there a camaraderie in Leeds? Yeah, I think so. I think that there have been, let me try and fucking work out a good answer. No, I've got it. Um, we live in a world where there is always an option beyond going to the independent cool place so whether it's burgers or pizza or italian you know pasta whatever 
for the most part, there seems to be an option where you can go to the indie street food place or a much more commercialized version of it. Now, what that means is that really the product itself has to speak louder than whether it is independent street food or not. Yeah, yeah. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So like, for example, Pizza Express does amazing pizzas. Like my probably my second best pizza in Leeds after Pizza Loco. And I'm not just bullshitting with you. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm listening. Do you know I'm what I mean? I'm like, I'm surprised by that, but I'm listening, and it's fair play. I think you can go to um, you can go to any Pizza Express in England, and you will get the same good product wherever you go. You don't go to that's that's the thing with street food is that like, it's inconsistent. Yeah, okay. it, it can be inconsistent, and you know, and I'm not gonna. I, I'd rather prop things up than bring things down with this conversation. But like, we probably both know examples of places that are independent and maybe run by people we know or like or whatever. But like, sometimes you go in there, you have a great experience, and sometimes you don't. And that's because more often than not, you've got like a small staff group. Like, m money's more of an issue. Like, people are stressing out. Like, it's hard to do this. So you, what you do has to be elevated above the pizza express so i think that what i'm saying is in leeds is that you can if you do a good thing then you'll be respected for it and that's how like this sort of scene works you know like you can be unless you're friends with someone before regardless of what they do for a living like if you meet someone who's cool but they make a shitty burger then that's you just the, the the scene. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I know. I, I'm babbling now, but I, I know think, what no, I'm saying. I think what it is is that you you have to be good. Yeah, you have to be good, and you have to be authentic with what you're bringing because people ain't just gonna like lick your ass for the sake of it. You've got to still give some sort of thing. But what I love about Leeds is they do get behind their independence if they support it, uh, and and the vibing with it. Uh, I, I'm. I'm conscious of the time, so I want to give you one other question, if I can sort of remember. Right, so yeah. So obviously what we're, what we're going through, uh, I saw that you started doing deliveries. So, you know, how have you been adapting to the current situation? It basically, what I do is, because um, I don't have to worry about any physical customers coming into the building, I just get as drunk as possible and I don't have to worry about coming across well in front of anyone. But it does make for spontaneity and flamboyant takeaway noodles. <laughs> I'm kind of not joking. <laughs> has it been? Has it? Has it? But has that been a good way of obviously from the yeah, it's, of what you've felt? Has it been a good outlet? But also, has it? Has it um, been people been taken to it? I think. Um, I think what happened was almost overnight, everyone's favourite restaurant that they couldn't go to turned up on Deliveroo. Uh, so, it did until Sunday when I went, and you weren't doing it on Sunday. Well, I, yeah, I wanted, my, I wanted a ramen with my WrestleMania. Yeah, sorry, I was really hungover. But <laughs> um, I think the problem is, is that now, like, I don't know about you, but I used to have the restaurants that I like going to, and then I used to, like, have a, few, like a, a couple of takeaways that I really liked using when I was hungover as a treat. Yeah, yeah. You're essential. Yeah, and, and and just because we're in lockdown doesn't mean everyone's got loads of money. And, like, takeaways are expensive. 
so it's it's so it's difficult and you know a lot of my friends who have never done delivery before have started to do it now like donna summer more more you know people in assembly pizza loco you know all these places are doing it so you're in competition with some fucking good guys there's only there's only enough people and money to go around so you've got to make sure what you do is good but we we do we do chinese food essentially like take away Chinese, but not greasy and quite healthy. It's only going to appeal to a certain market, but we're doing all right. Yeah, we're doing, we're, it's, we, we have to, we have to do that, you know? No, nah, that's fair, man. And would you ever consider any other platforms other than Deliveroo? Just because, and respect to the frontline workers like Deliveroo, ain't a shot at them, but they were Fiverr in delivery. And I was like, I should get in a taxi and come back and pick it up. That's cheaper than Fiverr on the extra bit. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, interesting you should say that, Ben, because the restaurant themselves chooses that. So ours is one pound. Oh, is it? So if someone's charging with Fiverr, they're essentially corporate wankers. Okay. No, not really. Obviously not. But <laughs> like, <laughs> we reached near the end, and now the truth's coming out. No, no, no. I don't know how much people charge, but we charge one pound fifty because that seems like fair. That. You know, like it's just like. I'm trying to cook for people who are like us. Yeah, there were, no, there were a couple that were like five, and I was like, is this all delivery? I didn't realize that. Dude, that's that fucking corporate greed, it. bro. That's fucking Apple Macs and iPods and Steve Jobs. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm a yeah. consumer of the Apple, man. It's the Apple in my eyes. <laughs> nice. Um, brother, I've got another chat coming up. I've got another couple of chats, but I, I wouldn't. No, that's fine. If, I wonder if there's anything that you want to wrap up and say where people can find you now that you're not, you know, chatting. I put him up on one page. He's going to another page. He's telling me he's on this All right. page. My man's All got right. more pages than bringing yellow pages. Uh, yeah, there are the Harry pages. pages. <laughs> nah, brother, you, if you want to let people know where they can find you. And, uh, and also, actually... Uh, one of the exciting prospects, I think we'll end on this. One of the exciting prospects that you told me was uh, the restaurant where no one knows what you're going to be making. Am I allowed to reveal this? What are you saying? You were going to do a menu where people come and they don't know what's on the menu. They just turn up because you were going to create. Is that still something that could come to fruition? I think that's definitely, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I think the idea of a secret regulars sort of just trust me menu yeah, is definitely, yeah. if anything, sitting around um, in my trackies all day drinking beer is is quite creative. It's like making me look forward to reopening and doing all these things. So, yeah, that's definitely something I, I want to do. I think um, you've got to, like, I think we've developed a, d a degree of trust with our customers now, whether it's Holy Ramen or Holy Mountain where people just know that we're going to try really, I'm going to try really hard to make you some good food. So yeah, that would be, that would be really good. And, and, and yeah, to sign off like Holy Ramen Leeds on Instagram is where we do our Asian bits, very unconventional. And that's on, that's on Deliveroo at the weekends. And then the rest of the time I'm on Holy Mountain Kitchen, which is this account doing tutorials and, um, and just generally like trying to, trying to get rid of all the bullshit with cooking and just make sure that everyone of any ability with whatever ingredients they've got can make something 
half decent. Yeah, anybody who's checked in, uh, when he says tutorials, he's really giving you like a real quick, in-depth way of making some real nice knock-up like food that you might make, believe would take longer than it actually does, and he sort of gives you the way of making it with its most flavour, but in a in a way that you can you can make it to hand. So definitely, check yeah, it out. I'm basically like at the absolute opposite of Joe Wicks. Yeah, mate. Well, you need to get some Joe Wicks workout in morning. No, in fact, Joe Wicks can do workout in morning, and we can do sipping at night. Yeah, you're right. I'll that'll take be a, a good, that'll, be, that'll be a good. That'll be a good one. Just uh, <laughs> two brothers sipping. Just. <laughs> I'm gonna before before you shoot. There's uh, been a lot of messages. There's been a lot of love that's come through. So I'm gonna say uh, Amanda Keegan says uh, she gives a shout out to you. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Teddy joined in chat. Teddy, I know he went London, didn't he? Um, oh, mate, Teddy. Watch, watch that fucking boy, because he's going to do some absolute bits. Yeah, absolute he's, bits with cooking. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Benjamin Ian says, you never worry about that anyway. I think that was when uh, you were on about uh, the flamboyant cooking in yourself <laughs> a bit more. He says, you never worry about that anyway. Well, he'll, he'll know, because he- he's another amazing, amazing chef in Leeds. Uh, Sophia shouted you out as well and then uh, Laura Wellington just said thanks for the cooking lessons so oh, people I love her paying attention brother and, yeah shout um, out Sheep Street Sheep Street yeah Sheep Street all day all day uh, yeah exactly exactly and shout out uh, you'll tell me because I should have it on the tip of my tongue the food fine. place with Dan oh eat your greens no the, it won't, it's not eat your greens there is it Oh, yeah, like Sheep Street Cafeteria or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. I can't remember yeah, yeah. the name of it. Dan and Jim, fucking are... repping it up. Yeah, man, of course. I mean, I, if, I could sh- if I could, I'd, sh- I'd spend an hour. Group, group, group. Something group. Group and grog? Yes, group. Yeah, shout out them. Is that what it's... Okay. I thought it was just Sheep Street Cafe. I'm obviously wrong with this one. Nah, that... I think... Well, yeah. Anyway, shout out... It's all good stuff. Shout out you. Respect, my brother. You take care. Stay safe through this time. I'll catch you when we're away, uh, away from this matter. And we'll have a good catch-up again. Uh, but stay Damn. safe. It's, it's, oh, Laura's saying it is Sheep Street, but it is definitely Goodman and Grog. Definitely Goodman and Grog. Definitely. But anyway, <laughs> I've seen Legend. your passwords, Laura, for Sheep Street. I know that it's got something like Grub involved in it. Ah, we'll leave that one on that. But, uh, no. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thanks for having me. Nah, mate, honestly, when I, when I set it up, there were a couple of people that inspired it, and I was like, who else would I like to chat to? And I know we're boys, but I've never really, um, never really, like, knew the sort of, I know the ins and outs, but never really the collective, like, the nitty-gritty. I got there. So it was good to cool. sort of piece a lot of it together, man. And I'm glad that you're staying strong through this time and adapting Always. to getting your stuff out there as well. So uh, it is grub and grog. I win. I'm going to lock you <laughs> off at that. Oh, wait, Bill says, uh, I'm down for more pig... Pig's ears tacos. Oh yeah, Bill, not William. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, perfect, brother. I'll leave you on that. You stay safe and cool. Yeah. You too, brother. uh, Oh wait, there's another one that's come through. Bloody hell, everyone's come through. That was decent, lads. Kept me occupied for the afternoon. Thanks, peace. That was from Anthony Freeman. Yes, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Right, Harry, stay safe, stay cool, stay blessed, man, and I'll catch you on the other side. Yeah. Take care, bro. In a bit, bro. I look forward to that session. Cheers, man. Take it easy. So, yeah, definitely go give Holy Ramen a follow or Holy Mountain Kitchen a follow. (laughs) Cheers, Pete, man. Uh, Definitely amazing food, independent-based leads, but uh, 
Harry is such a good guy, good soul, makes good food. If you are based in Leeds, uh, get yourself on Deliveroo. Support your independence. Go check him out. Reach out to him. It, food's amazing. You won't regret that. I've got two more chats that are going to be coming up today. Uh, thank you, firstly, to everybody who's featured. I had uh, Chris Fountain, who was on earlier. You may remember him from shows like Hollyoaks and Coronation Street. I had a great chat with him. Tristan Nakuna, who is a DJ producer, a resident of Back to Basics. They're both on my lives now. Obviously, thank you to Harry, who's just took part in that chat. And then I've got another two chats that are coming up in the next few moments, one starting in three minutes. That's going to be with my presenting sister, Kerry Moore, and then wrapping up at seven with the mayor of G-Town, Danny Matthews. So thank you for all joining in. I will catch you with the next chats. Stay cool, stay, stay, stay blessed. Peace.